0: the purpose of the Enneagram is to reveal and show that there are eight other ways um, to see Mm. the world and you can, you can't change the way you see, like I'm wired the way I am wired. Um, But I can, I can definitely move into intentional choices of what I do Mm. with how I see. And um, the purpose of the Enneagram, I would hope, is to create more compassion in the world, more understanding for people who aren't
1: like you. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast made by and for changemakers, where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own our future. And I am Lucas Scrobot, your host, and today we have a special guest with us and we are going to be talking about a a topic that I really enjoy and that we have been talking in, in some ways we've been talking around it in this podcast for since the beginning of the podcast which is who are we and it's understanding mm-hmm. ourselves our interior world are the the enemies that lie within the friends that lie within and today we are going to be talking about a special tool that will help us in real, practical, simple ways understand who we are, who we were created to be, what we want to uh, transcend into, the the our God-given purpose, and how that's been corrupted by pain and hardship and and wounds in our lives. So. If you haven't guessed it by now, we are talking about the Enneagram, and we are going to be talking about it with the one and only coming live from Muscat, Oman, April Lee. Wow! Welcome, thank April. you.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Now, for those who don't know, April has been diving deep into the Enneagram for probably over a year now, Just reading about a year, yeah. reading books psychoanalyzing all of her friends.
0: <laughs> I know you all. Reading
1: everyone's mail and being like, "Oh, I know this is who you are, this is how you act, and this is why you do that." And people are like, "How oh, did you know?" And they just start crying. Actually, in quite in all reality, this happened with my wife. My wife has done so many personality <laughs> so sweet. tests. She's done these, you know, it's yeah, you know, there's a Myers-Briggs and the DISC, and she's done these tests and she always comes away, April she always comes away from these tests feeling like uh, one, I don't feel like this is who I am. She re- mm. read the description. She's like, that's not me. I mean, maybe, or am I this or am I that she mm. can never put her finger on who she is. Mm. And then she sat down with you <laughs> and started talking about the Enneagram. And I'm pretty sure she started crying because mm. she said for the first time, like someone's described who I am. I thought I was crazy. But now I realize it's actually, it's a part of my personality and it's Mm -hmm. not a broken flawedness in me. It's like something good. Wow. So.
0: I I remember that conversation and I just, I wanted to, I think we hugged for a really long time. Probably Just because it was such a, it was an emotional moment and it, you could see, I love, what I love about the Enneagram is you see people settle into their skin a little bit more and um, there's an embrace in who they are and all of their shortcomings, and, you know, the the masks that we put on and the fears that we have, but also the really, really golden parts of who we are as well, and um an acceptance of that and being able to show up. And everybody wants to know that they belong. And yeah, have absolutely. meaning. so
1: it's true. we we do all want to know that we belong. We want to know that we have meaning. We want to know that, as an individual, that we are valuable and contribute something to ourselves, to our small circle and to society.
0: Right.
1: And the Enneagram, for me, it's really broken down some of my idiosyncrasies. How do you say that? Idiosyncrasies. And it's broken those down for me to see like, oh, I'm not just a weirdo. It's actually it's actually part of my design. Well, it's actually the gifting. Well, you know, you know, some people will use kidding. the enneagram to 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 uh, as an excuse to be a jerk or to be reclusive. But what we will learn yeah. is that this is a tool to show you where you're operating in unhealth and show you ways to operate into health. Right. So, April, can you break down what the enneagram is, its origins? What sure. I mean, how do you even pronounce enneagram? <laughs>
0: enneagram. <laughs> uh, yes. So the enneagram, as we've been kind of talking around, is an ancient personality typing system that we can trace back from to
1: how 3, ancient
0: three thousand four thousand years.
1: So when I was reading, I found that it actually started with Plato and his students. Mm. That's really old.
0: <laughs> really old.
1: I think it, it was, came out of the book, the Ennead, which were these nine, enni means nine, and Gram means diagram. Correct. So the word Enneagram is a diagram of nine.
0: Nine-pointed system, yeah.
1: Okay. And when I was reading some of the history, it it started with Plato's students, and then it has spread through Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Sufism, Islam, and it's, it's a system of thought that has permeated all of our consciousness on even psychoanalytics, Greek philosophy. So mm-hmm. it's not just a, a small thing to one kind of sect or science. It's not a new thing. It's very old.
0: Very old. And yes, it's existed through all um, different faith groups. Uh, beliefs and many different cultures. And we know that through the notes and journals of different spiritual teachers that have been left back. It is an oral tradition, but it wasn't until about the 1970s where, um, uh, a man named Oscar Ichazo and his pupil Claudio Naranjo, they, they started to, um, really write these things down mm. of the Enneagram and, um.
1: What I, what I like most about the Enneagram is how I well, maybe not like most, probably what I hate most, but I find most fascinating <laughs> is that it's, it really comes from our looking at what what is our divine nature within each of us, mm. and how have we fallen from that divine nature? What have mm. we fallen into? What is the vice or the sin of our choice? Mm. so you 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 listening out there probably are familiar with the seven deadly sins. But the Enneagram actually was a forerunner to the seven deadly sins, and there's actually nine deadly sins, which are the nine points of the Enneagram, and somehow it got boiled down to seven deadly sins. But really, it's these nine deadly sins which are uh, are our corrupted self from these, these divine personality traits that are in each one of us. And mm-hmm. what the Enneagram points to is says, look, this is who you were divinely made to be, your divine expression, the the pinnacle of your creation and the expression of who you are. But these are the nine deadly areas that has that you'll fall into one of these nine, mm-hmm. your vice or your passion or your sin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that this is the the corruption of who you were made to be. Mm. And so it also gives us this awareness of the the enemy or the darkness within and the purpose that we were made for so that we can move out of unhealth and into health.
0: So well said, Lucas. I love that. And I, I would agree. I think um, they – it reveals like i said uh, what i loved about the enneagram that people start to feel like they settle into themselves settle into their skin a little bit more and i would i would feel like that's them intuitively moving towards their essence or their true self Mm -hmm. and how they were created now in childhood things happen pain happens um different people's experiences and upbringings that, um, where we, we begin to put on these personalities or masks, if Mm. you will, to survive and make our way and figure out what is our place in this world. And those were needed to survive. Um, but late there comes a point in someone's life where they realize it doesn't work anymore. Mm. What, what used to work for me, what helped me fit in or make my way in the world. It just doesn't quite, I think I'm missing the mark on my true self. Mm. And so as you were saying, yes, these nine deadly sins that we use are these passions. I like to, different languages around the Enneagram, but passions are sins that um, reveal the box that we're in. And and the point of the Enneagram is to um, reveal that there. The, the box we're already in and how, how do we get out? How do mm. we no longer agree with um,
1: the old masks. habits and yeah.
0: masks that we're so used to putting on because those are
1: defense mechanisms, right?
0: Right. Walls and it, it, it's <laughs> the older you get, that line gets a little bit more blurry. Mm. And you and it's it's scary to feel like one can live their life without knowing their true self.
2: <laughs> it's scary. That is scary. In the way that
0: God created us to be and how we're beautifully, uniquely created. And um, I love the Enneagram as well because I, my journey with it, I didn't know that there were eight other ways of seeing the world. I thought everyone sees and processes information and lives about the world no. the way I no. do. You didn't actually think that. I I did, actually. And it, it took a few people. In my life, to tell me you need to learn how to love people that aren't like you, and it.
1: So, did you think that those people were just broken, or what? Do you think that they were just wrong? I. Or, or did you just? Think I thought they'd...
0: people were just mean. <laughs> I, I was quicker to offense, and because I didn't understand that you were seeing differently or somebody else would process differently. And I'm, I'm a very, we'll jump into the different types. I'm a very deep, deep feeler and, um, can in immaturity or, uh, stress, I, I can be very moody. I, I swing quite a bit and mm. I can acknowledge that. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I guess that was a lot of, of the lens that I viewed, other people through is like you're you're just as emotional as I am and
1: but you're just not admitting it, it.
0: yeah I don't, or yeah or you just have this you're, you're just, just always, out to get you're me. just
1: always you know heartless you're I, just a heartless person and that's the emotion that you live in when really they're just analytical
0: <laughs> it just didn't especially um I've learned to really do relationship in life with people who are um, process information with their head. And that's been very enlightening to me and hel- has helped me immensely grow as a person. And so
1: when you first got introduced to the Enneagram, I'm sure. guessing it's probably a couple years ago now, and you've really dove in a year ago. Is that right? Yeah. What What was your journey like? What did you discover about yourself? How did it cause you to not just, oh, there's eight different ways of viewing the world, not just my way of interpreting information, or emotions, mm. what was kind of the practical um, the practical things or the, the sequence events that happened after you became introduced to the Enneagram? How did your worldview and your view of yourself, your behaviors, how did that begin to mature or change? Mm.
0: I think prior to the Enneagram, I had been on a couple-year journey where I had amazing friends around me to help me become a little bit more aware of what I do not only affects me, but it affects a room. It affects other people. And I didn't have the language or the self-awareness to even be able to pinpoint some of those behaviors that were negatively affecting people around me. Um, That more specifically of an example is just being so highly emotional and experiencing a swing of emotions Mm. very quickly in in a five-minute sequence, really. I I can swing quite a bit, and that can feel like kind of like a tornado to some around me. And um, it took friends to tell me, Hey these do you see that this is what you're doing and then I jumped into the enneagram and it gave me language for mm. some of that journey that I was already on in, in just self awareness and um emotional balance that i I had lacked quite a bit in my life and um and in being able to see oh there are other there are eight other ways to to see the world um to see i it helped me have a lot more compassion. Mm. Um, I played less of the victim <laughs> and I opened my heart up. I-, I pulled my heart out of offense. Like you are, you are attacking me mm. or I feel misunderstood or I feel hurt. And, you know, just this rage <laughs> or this high emotion. And I I walled up and I said, then you're out, you know, mm. if you don't understand me, or if you don't, uh, if you don't get it, then I don't want you close to me. But the reality is, no, you're, you're not out to get me. You're not the people that were trying to help. They were actually trying to help me. Huh. And I was able to actually open up my mind and my heart to see, okay, what is it that you're seeing that I'm not? Mm. And it grows you in compassion in, in your relationships where there's conflict or, you know.
1: So. You probably took other personali- personality tests before you took the Enneagram. How how is it different? Like why didn't these other why didn't the Myers-Briggs for example um, clue you in on there's different ways of seeing the world or thinking or how, did that yeah. not kind of make you think like, "Oh, people are different than me?"
0: Mm, yeah, not not so much. I I would probably only refer to the Mars Briggs as that's the only other test I've taken with the personality stuff um but by the end of the test you really only get these four letters and I think in my experience I didn't quite know what to do with them hmm. <laughs> and um I never felt boxed in by it but I yeah I just knew okay like I'm in I'm an enFP on the Ennegr- uh, sorry on the Mars Briggs and I I'm an extrovert, so I get energy around people. I just, there was not much you could do with it, but with the Enneagram.
1: It felt a little bit more static, more, at least on, I know, I've talked to some people where as you go into the deeper levels of the Myers-Briggs, that does become a little bit more dynamic, but still kind of feels like a static, like, oh, I am an introvert. I get energy from being alone or I'm a thinker. And, but it's just kind of like, this is who you are cool. and then you can kind of <laughs> ca- categorically understand who other people are.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you said that well. And and with the enneagram, it's not static. Um, there's lots of movement within the enneagram that um, happens intuitively, um, but can be learned to start moving intentionally. Mm. So what I mean by that is um, there are, I guess, levels for the lack of a better word. Um, Within the enneagram of health, um, being healthy in your number then in, in average, where we spend most of our time in this average level, um, into unhealthy, then excess, and then pathological. And excess is where we kind of land when we fall into when we're when we're qu- quite stressed. And we'll talk about stress and security. Um, each number has a relationship with four other numbers on the enneagram, and those other numbers are basically resources to give you access to different patterns of behavior. Um, but again, this, the Enneagram focuses on motivation, not behavior. And your motivation for each number doesn't change.
1: Can you break that down? You said motivation, not behavior.
0: Right. Um, so how can I explain this? Uh, you Okay, so you and I wired very differently we can behave in the same way um in a in a social setting or well we actually wouldn't behave the same way but um for this example for the purpose of the example behaviors can look the same on the outside um the way your personality flushes out um but they're each number on the Enneagram has a core motivation that's deeper. What, um, what is motivating them to do what they do? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, is there a practical yeah. example, like maybe using a two and a nine? Sure. Can we give a practical example of what their motivation is and what their fear is and how it's, it's, it's a little bit different than some other personality tests because they both might do the same thing? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, the two wants to be needed. Hmm. Um, they they're called the helper, and um, and they they want to be needed by people. They want to help, um, serve is another word I would use, um, and they're, they're, they're deeply relational. The way that they, they'll help is they, they intuitively know your need before you will know your need. Mm. And that is the gift it's of, creepy. that is the gift of the two. Um, and, and so uh, that is what, that's what motivates them. And sometimes uh, in a healthy a healthy two will do it for the right reasons. I want to help you because I I actually, I, this is the way I'm showing love to you. I want to help you. Um, on the unhealthy side of a two, it becomes a little bit, there, there are some ulterior motives. It can mm. be a little bit controlling. Um, and so, uh, but the motivation stays the same mm. is what I'm saying. They, they just, they want to be needed. And uh, the nine are 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 called the peacemakers and um their need is to be okay <laughs> avoid conflict and um that is their that would that would motivate them is to not stir up tension or conflict or problem. Um, whereas some other numbers actually thrive off of conflict like and, an eight and, and really enjoy that. Our, our beloved eights. Yes. That are challengers. Yeah.
1: God bless them. <laughs> so the, the nine and the two. The nine is what's the nine afraid of?
0: Conflict. And they 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 want to maintain peace not only within themselves, so they're they're keeping in um, anything that they think could Stir up conflict. Mm -hmm. So maintain peace within themselves and then keep out anything that would uh, rob them of their inner peace. Keep out anything that uh, would affect that peace. Mm -hmm.
1: And the two is afraid of...
0: Uh, Not being needed. Not being needed. Mm -hmm. So
1: how might both behave in a similar manner, Mm -hmm. but then... Have a different, a different motivation, motivational driver.
0: So, the we're kind of diving deep into some of these types, which we'll go into later. But um, the nines, because of their motivation to need to be okay um, and avoid any sort of conflict, they they have this tendency to merge with another person and uh, kind of just do whatever they they'd rather prefer to do what you want to do Mm. rather than speak up and assert themselves Mm. to share. This is what I want to do. And so in that way they could, um, be meeting some of your needs and that, that could look similar to a two where they're, they're meeting their needs, your needs in a, in a relational way of what do you need? How can I serve you? How can I, um, attend to you? But the way they would do that, um, the reason that they would do that would be different.
1: So like a nine would go along with what someone else who's more assertive might want because they want to keep the peace, whereas a two would go along with what someone more assertive might want because they want to serve you, they that person. They want to meet your need. They want to meet the need.
0: Yeah. And they, want, they want to love you in that way.
1: So the motivational driver is different, even though maybe the action looks very similar, but the core kind of... Perspective of why they're behaving the way they're behaving is coming from a different root.
0: Absolutely.
1: So let's break down what are the what are the nine types and how are they segmented on the enneagram.
0: So the nine types are are broken up into triads, um, which triads are your center of intelligence, uh, which basically means how you take in. Um, And process Hmm. information. And um, long, long ago, that was uh, broken up into three different ways of um, doing, uh, feeling, and thinking. So doing, those numbers are eight, nine, and one. Feeling. Um, on the Enneagram are the twos, threes, and fours, and the thinking numbers are five, six, and seven. And so back to the the doing, the, the numbers of eight, nine, and one. They're doing dominant numbers. They're often called uh, within the gut triad or the anger triad. And they read the world from their gut. And the way they differentiate um, is based on how they deal with their anger they Mm. all deal with anger in different ways um and so and then you break it down to the two three and four they're concerned primarily with feelings which if you can't guess by now that's what i was referring to that i live in that realm um and they all um, deal with their feelings differently Mm. and five sixes and sevens in and the, the thinking so and triad,
1: feelings back to the feelings, the yeah. the heart and the feelings, they're they're primarily uh, dealing with shame, the feeling of shame, and how do I deal with shame? Whereas the the instinct and gut triad is saying, how do I deal with anger? The heart triad is how am I dealing with shame? Mm-hmm. And then what's the last triad?
0: um the the thinking in the head or the head triad, which is the the five, sixes, and sevens. And um they differentiate based on how they each deal with fear,
1: deal with fear. So there's three triads, which is showing how how one group interprets information through their thinking through their mind. Mm-hmm. The other group is interpreting all that information through their feelings, through their heart, mm-hmm. through their emotions. Yeah. And then the instinct and in gut is is interpreting all that information just instinctually.
0: From their gut, From yeah. their gut yeah.
1: rather than from more of a cognitive or more of a processing emotion level. It's just an instinct feeling yeah. that's somewhat impulsive yeah.
0: maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So you said there's, there's three numbers in each. Let's go through each number and give a brief breakdown of what that number is and how that number might behave.
0: Great. So let's start up in the doing dominant numbers or in our gut triad. Um, so the type eight in the gut triad um, is called the challenger or the boss. Their passion is lust. It's to clarify, within Enneagram language, it's not a sexual lust, but it is a lust for intensity. Mm. Um, they're very passionate people, um, and their need is to stand independently, and that can that can appear as standing against someone. But um, uh, an Enneagram teacher, master that I love to follow. Her name's Suzanne Stabile. I love the way she said it, and it's to stand independently. So. Mm. Um, and uh, a message that they long to hear is that they won't be betrayed. Mm. So that's um, their
1: fear, kind of the, their fears of betrayal. Is that right?
0: Uh, it, it's, yes, but it comes out of that message um, that they, they, yeah, long to hear is that they won't be. Mm.
1: So an, an eight is, would appear very self-confident, decisive, willful, and very confrontational yeah right they the, that the way that they deal with anger is through an outward expression
0: yeah their their anger is ex- externalized so they they feel the anger they deal with it and they're done with it right after
1: great. Let's move on to the nine
0: lovely. Our nines are the peacemakers and their passion is. Um, called sloth, and it it's not referring to laziness, but it's actually um, more self-forgetting or falling asleep to themselves. Mm. Um, and as we were describing earlier, their need is to be okay. So the way they do that is to keep out conflict, avoid it at all costs. And yeah.
1: So the the nine would be receptive, reassuring, uh, complacent, as you said, or resigned.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That self-forgetting the of themselves,
1: <laughs> and how do they? How would they deal with their anger?
0: Um, they their anger becomes passive-aggressive ag- anger. Um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> they keep it all in, mm. and they don't tell you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> why they're angry because they want to maintain peace. And there's this fear that if they were to assert themselves and uh, move into expressing this hurt me, there's the fear that it would it would create a big riff in relationship and connection.
1: Gotcha. Because their fear is that uh, fragmentation of relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What, what's the one?
0: The one on the Enneagram is called the perfectionist. And their passion is um, anger, but to describe it a little more, a little bit more, it's resentment, and um, that's the anger that they deal with. And uh, it's because they, they stuff their anger as well, but they do it in a little bit a different way as opposed to the nine. They turn it on themselves, mm. um, and, it, and it, then it becomes resentment. And their need is to be perfect in word, thought, and deed.
1: What's their fear?
0: Their fear is that they're not good. mm or they'll be corrupt.
1: Right. Yeah. Which makes sense if their 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 desire is this perfection. It yeah. makes sense that their fear is like, what if I become corrupted? Mm. So ones are normally very principled. They're, they're operating out of principle. They're purposeful, very self-controlled perfectionists. Mm. So those people in your workplace that maybe, well, probably not for all of you, but for some of you, it's like everything has to be put together just so very by the book
0: yeah they can they can come off as rigid but they they're so they're quite they're one of the top two complex numbers on the enneagram and so a lot's going on but it can come off Mm. that way
1: Mm. okay so that would be the the instinctual gut triad the 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 eights deal with their their anger in an outward expression the nines Bottle it all into mm-hmm. passive aggression, and the ones they turn it against themselves in resentment. Is yep. that right? Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the heart triad: the two, three, and four. What's a two?
0: The two is our helper, as we
1: we touched on it. We touched on it a, we little, bit on it
0: a little bit. Um, their passion is pride, and with some twos that I meet, that doesn't resonate on the first go, but again, you have to kind of shift yourself to Enneagram language. It, it really is harping on the inability or unwillingness to acknowledge their own needs. Mm. So if you remember, as we were, we were talking about it, um, they want to be needed mm. and they so focus on others' needs that they, they miss out on their own and they have a hard time of acknowledging that Which, they have needs.
1: Which if you think about it, that is really prideful of essentially saying, I have no needs. I'm already self-sufficient. I'm just going to serve your needs because you have needs. I can see how that is pride and I can see how it can quickly backfire mm-hmm. on a 2. So a 2 is normally very generous, demonstrative, they're people-pleasing and they're very possessive. Mm. What is the the fear of a 2?
0: That it's it's not okay to have their own needs. Mm. And that, and that they're and they're not needed. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of a twofold mm. that it's it's they've been told it's not okay to have your own needs, so therefore they they have this drive to be needed
1: by the people. And so now the two is the first one of the heart triad. How do they deal with the emotions of shame? What are they doing with that?
0: Um. In my interactions and being in relationships with different twos, um, they have a very hard time. They experience shame in having a need. Mm. They have a really hard time in vocalizing and expressing that need. um, And it feels like shame. Mm. Mm.
1: Moving on to the three. What's a three?
0: The three is our achiever. And their passion is self-deceit. And... They often will um, put out a persona, if you will, um, that they think another person is wanting them to put out. So they're if, like looking around
1: the room and saying, who do they want me to be? And then they become and then I, that person. And they
0: become that person. They, they're, they're the achievers. They have a great drive, very successful people. But um, in that... Um, that... Becoming of who I think maybe somebody else would want me to be they're not deceiving The other it's not deceit of the other person it's They are decei- deceiving the
1: other person, but it's more <laughs> it's, through deceit of themselves.
0: Yeah, because they then think this is me,
1: right? Because they believe their lies so much. So it's a,
0: it's a self-deceit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what is their fear?
0: Um, their fear is that they're they're not valued and that they're not worth anything mm.
1: Mm. So uh, a three is normally seen as adaptable, excellent, excelling, uh, driven, and very image conscious. Wondering, you know, what do other people think of me? So how do they deal with the feelings of shame?
0: The three sits on an interesting seat in the triad um, because on each side of them, they have quite emotional beings, Mm. types. Um, and they were, uh, they were in, in their childhood, uh, kind of an unconscious message that they might've heard is that it's not okay to have your own feelings and your own identity. Mm -hmm. Um, and so though they are in the, the feeling triad, the center of intelligence, um, they, they find feelings quite, uh. A waste of time. (laughs) And Mm. so uh, with their high achieving and their need to feel valued, um, yeah, they achieve. They're quite goal-oriented, very successful.
1: But it's all because they want to feel successful?
0: They want to feel, they want to know their value.
1: It's interesting because I could even see how how a two, we talked about the two and the nine, how they often would blend in. To a nine to keep the peace, not wanting to see conflict. A two because they want to serve someone else. But then a three could also blend into what someone else wanted because they're wanting to seem, uh, you know, achieving or important, playing the role that they think someone else Accepted. wants them to play. Yeah. Accepted. Yeah. So all three, I could see how are doing a similar behavior, but it's coming out of a different Motivation,
0: yeah, and a different fear as well. And our fears they reveal something a little bit deeper, you know, if we really dive into it. And so, that's yeah, I think you said that well.
1: So, now to number four in the heart triad. And for those of you listening, you maybe have guessed by now, April is a four in the triad.
0: If In you guess it by now, then you're probably a four. It's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding um what the is a four the fours um were called the romantic um or the individualist, and our passion is envy um so what that it which I would distinguish there's a difference between envy and jealousy. Our envy is not so much. Um, for your things, like your house or your car, but it's it's an envy of um seeing other people's way and comfort of like being in the world and mm. feeling like i'll that's missing in me, and I will be incomplete until mm. I have that
1: a mm. four is very kind of it's melancholy right
0: yeah they they it's, tend to live in some of that space. So a, Comfortable. Four, a
1: four would be described as expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, temperamental. How do you feel about those words, April?
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's true. <laughs> so what is the, the
1: driving the driving fear of a four?
0: Uh, I, I would say the need, um, which I think also would be drive me it's the need to be seen and known and understood for who they authentically All are right. um and yeah they they want to hear that they're seen understood and known
1: mm. so. and the fear attached to that is that they would not be seen not be known
0: yeah, and kind of live an insignificant life.
1: <laughs>
0: <Huh>. <laughs> Just kind of living in like an average, uh, mundane life. <laughs>
1: I love that. It makes sense. It's the individualist, right? They want, yeah. they want to stand out and be different. Yeah. Okay, so that is. And how do they deal with the feelings of shame? What do they do with that emotion?
0: Um, I'll kind of just talk from my own experience of as me coming into knowing that I'm a four but i think the ways that i I feel shame is um, feeling like I'm not enough that something is like inherently missing in me mm. and and so I move throughout the world feeling like I watch these other people who on the outside look like they their being and their comfort in the world is like settled and they've found it. And I kind of walk, feeling like I'm a part of me is missing. And, um, that's how I, I tend to experience mm.
1: shame. So it's personalized in the, I'm not enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, um, yeah, some of even the fear that may play into that we were talking about earlier is they're, they're mainly afraid of being abandoned.
1: Gotcha. Fear of abandonment. Yeah. So that is the heart triad. Now moving on to what is arguably the best of all the triads and the best number in the all of the enneagram, the five.
0: (laughs) Why? Why do you say it like that? Um, Why don't you tell the people? You know,
1: I am a five, and after gathering all the data points. Uh, it is it is clear the oh. argument to be made that fives really are the top of the enneagram.
0: <laughs> I love your sarcastic wit. Um, yes, I hope people can <laughs> catch that. On I'm the sure they which appreciate is it. Actually, a, a little characteristic of a five. So good on you for that. The five.
1: I'm true to myself. I've taken off all the masks. <laughs> Actually, the
0: series of this podcast is gonna help Lucas come out of the this box. Is, he's this is just in. how
1: I get you know free uh free therapy
0: <laughs> recorded online so for tell all me tell
1: me what is the five
0: the five is uh the investigator or the observer um their passion is called avarice mm-hmm. and I would love for you to chime into some of this but um it uh they're, they they gather knowledge, and that's how they deal with their fear, um, because the more knowledge they have, the less dependent they have to be on on others. Mm-hmm. And there is this uh, there's this fear that they don't have enough inner resources for all the demands of life, including relationships. And so that avarice piece comes in because they hold back just enough of what you may need so they can take care of themselves mm. um, and and so the greed is really for privacy and independence mm.
1: yep so the fives are very percept- perceptive, innovative secretive and isolated is how does that feel? that feels great <laughs> I just feel like I just you know stepped into a nice, a nice sauna or something it just feels like oh, a warm blanket around me <laughs> what is the fear what is the the driving fear of a five?
0: Um, yeah, so I I think I had touched on it, but it's just the the high demands of of life all around them happening um, that they don't have enough of their, yeah inner resources to to meet some of those needs and we'll we'll touch on it more. But I'll mention it now. The type five has the most conserved amount of energy mm. on the Enneagram. And so what that means is a five will have a set amount of energy in a day. And once that's spent, it is it is spent. Mm. <laughs> and the next day comes and that that range of energy has not grown or um, changed. It stays the same. Mm.
1: Yeah, I feel that. And so the the fives this is in the the head triad or the thinking triad yep. and they would process information using their mind and the the primary thing that they feel is fear.
0: Yes. And or th- it, yeah, I guess it's yeah. a feeling. Yeah, yeah, fear.
1: Explain that. How does a 5 deal with fear?
0: Um they deal with it by <laughs> gathering um information knowledge um that's what makes the five feel... wants to
1: feel competent
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and they want to be seen as competent mm-hmm. and they're afraid of people seeing them as not competent yeah
0: it's well said yeah
1: yeah okay let's move on we'll we'll spend a lot of time on the five because i like talking about myself <sighs>
0: fours and fives are going to get a lot out of this I'm a,
1: I'm a five wing four and we'll get into the wings and stuff in a minute but i'm a five wing four so i sit right between that individualistic mm. uh creative type and the the five which is very data driven so I'm right there in the best of both worlds or worst of both worlds, depending on how you look at it, right?
0: <laughs> there you go, Lucas.
1: There's a moment of humility, great, <laughs> flashing. Uh, type six, what's the type six?
0: Well, type six is our loyalist, mm. um, and their passion is fear. I would describe it a little bit further and say anxiety. Mm. They are worked up about worst case scenarios and things that haven't even happened yet. Yeah. Um, they are... Their motivation or their drive, their need is to feel secure and safe. Mm. And so, um, yeah, the way that they deal with their fears, they plan out worst case scenarios, ready themselves for things that haven't happened, but it, it provides a, almost a sense of security Are they and turning these
1: things over in their mind again and again?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I um, have a good friend who's a six and um, she... She refers to some of that rolling and reeling in her mind as a committee, which I thought was brilliant, mm. a brilliant way to describe yeah. what is actually happening um, in that fear of worst case scenarios. It's there's this committee kind of going back and forth. OK, what if this happens? No, but what if this happens? We need to plan for this. Yep, And um
1: As a as a five, sometimes I operate in that wing and my mind just is like wow a hundred miles a minute, just ticking over all different scenarios, conversations, and it's it's uh it's anxiety really it's anxiety. Mm. Um and so I can I can relate to that part of the six as well.
0: They're they're great. They see things that not everybody sees. Um in 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 the unhealth of the fear, it gets mm. a little bit excess. But um, in health, it, it 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 can be good for the yeah the community.
1: So in health, a, a six is very. It's as you said, it's a loyalist. They're very responsible. They're very engaging. But in unhealth, they're very anxious and suspicious. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm not a six, but I'm like, I feel like I'm saying amen for the sixes, yeah. you know? <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay, let's, so the last, the last one. Yeah. Number seven. Oh. Type seven.
0: Uh, Type seven. they They're the most fun on the what's, Enneagram. What's the,
1: what's the passion of the six to be hit that one?
0: Uh, fear. Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm. And so what's the passion of the seven? Uh,
0: the passion of the seven is, uh, well, I didn't say the name. Oh, it's I'm sorry. The, the in- the enthusiast and the passion is gluttony but of the mind Mm. so that's why they they live in that thinking triad so it's not not that they want to
1: eat a lot of cake but (laughs) they want it's the stimulation of the mind is that it
0: stimulation of the mind though a lot of and i i don't know if this is an overarching type seven theme but a lot of sevens that i know they they they're foodies. They love food. Really? Um, so, but it is gluttony of the mind when we're talking within the Enneagram, so.
1: Because it's this, they're going after this stimulation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, constantly needing to have their mind stimulated with something. Mm. Um, mainly happy thoughts. Mainly, and they have a half range of emotion and they tend to live in the space where what feels good and what's fun and exciting and, That word stimulating, I think of, yeah, what's, what's going to stimulate them. Mm.
1: What's their fear?
0: Um, Their fears of pain. Hmm. Um, So the way that they deal with fear is they avoid pain. Um, As I, I, I kind of mentioned, they have a, a half range of emotion and very comfortable with, um, happy, good feeling emotions. But the other half would be the sad, um, the sad emotions, the harder emotions, um, painful memories. And it's, it's quite hard for a seven to um, open up to that space Yeah, Um, because it's a damper. It's a damper on their happy thoughts.
1: (laughs) Mm. Mm. And so they're also in the, the thinking triad. So what do they do with the fear that comes in? How do they process through that?
0: Could you ask your question one more time?
1: They're in the th- the thinking triad, right? And so, how do they? Which is the emotion of a fear that they're mostly processing? How do they do? T- what do they do to overcome? Or what mm-hmm. do they do with that fear yeah. when it comes in? They like o- the six yeah. is ruminating on it. Yeah, the five is trying to gather information. What is the si- the seven doing?
0: They overindulge. They they. They kind of move into that gluttonous state of mind. they they overstimulate themselves mm. to avoid um, uh, an interaction and engaging with where's this pain? Where's it mm. coming from? This hurts. Um, so they they turn their minds on hyperdrive and so they're almost like trying to
1: mask over their pain with denial through indulgence.
0: yeah, I, yeah, denial. Just avoid completely <laughs> and um and turn my mind on so I don't have to engage mm. my emotions. Mm. So it's much more comfortable for the nine to uh, it's it's their comfortable space of their minds and their thoughts. so, yeah,
1: it's interesting because like I can see how the seven, like the seven is going to turn their mind on, yeah to to cover over pain or hard emotions whereas a nine would turn their mind off to cover over those instinctual feelings of anger or pain
0: the the nines uh, what I would say about the nine is they're actually quite aware of Mm. all the internal what they're juggling Mm. on on the inside they just don't they don't assert themselves enough to to say this hurt mm. or this is painful for me they're, they're actually quite aware but of they still want to fall
1: asleep to themselves right
0: yes yeah the, the, that that would be their tendencies to to merge with someone else and how they're feeling um because they'd rather not say what's happening on the inside but mm. they're quite aware of it um sevens i would say are maybe we'll have a moment of seeing how oh, this hurt but oh gosh i don't want to it's too it's too uncomfortable mm. uncomfortable for with me to engage with so let me turn on my mind
1: gotcha gotcha so those are the nine types in real brief and over the next 3 episodes we are going to break down these triads and kind of and we're going to un, unpack and flush out all these numbers in more detail yeah. so that you can find out which number you are and but there's also with these nine numbers, there's also wings, there's stresses and there's securities. What do those mean? How do how how do we move from one number to another? Because we don't you are the number that you are. Yeah. And you're never gonna be another number. Mm-hmm. But there is a level of growth and maturity of moving from stress or unhealth or disintegration yeah. into health and integration of who you're supposed to be as a person.
0: Yeah. Um, so if you were to look at the, the geometric shape of the Enneagram, you see a bunch of lines crossing each other and, um, and, and then numbers on either side of you. So those are, uh, each, each number type that you are has relationship with four other numbers, as you said. So the wings are the numbers on either side of you and they just provide a bit of balance for you. Um, and so just an example of that, like a a two can either have a wing one or a wing three, um, one and three are either side of them. And then your other two numbers that you have relationship with are your stress and your security numbers or where you integrate to um, when you're feeling secure and where you disintegrate to when you're feeling stress or insecure. And so um, you need you need both numbers you need your the number that you go to in stress um, you need that behavior um, to take care of yourself and off there's a misconception when at least for me when i first learned about the enneagram it was to just stop acting like the number i go to mm. which is two in unhealth or where i disintegrate to to become more whole but you actually you need your that the energy of that and that behavior of that number, um, to, to take care of yourself. Now, mm. the number that you go to in security, um, uh, that you also need it. Um, that's when you're feeling again, secure to, um, experience a more whole you and mm. a more transformative healed and whole you. Um, so an example, I'll just kind of dive into it too. Um, and uh, in stress insecurity and unhealthy two takes on behaviors of uh, an unhealthy eight. Mm. Um, they become they become controlling, demanding, manipulative and f- surprisingly aggressive because a two they want to meet your needs and 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 some, yeah, they can take on some aggressive Behavior and then the healthy side of a two take on healthy behaviors of a four, um and they're they're a bit more okay with having to.
1: And the, what's and the four is the,
0: the romantic or the individual. Because the two is the helper, mm-hmm. the
1: eight is a challenger, and then the four is the individualist. So, yeah. so that the helper, when it becomes stressed, it becomes like the challenger. In in its negative aspects, right? But then, taking
0: on some of their behavior and energy, yes. Yeah.
1: And then in its health, it becomes like the four. And what does that look like? I, um,
0: they're 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 okay with not needing to, not having to pretend to love everybody, <laughs> and they can actually focus inward in a healthy way and tend to their needs. Hmm. They don't neglect for the sake of someone else's needs.
1: They're able to find their own individuality and not get lost. In someone else's yeah. number or aura. Uh,
0: yeah, or getting Desires. lost in, in meeting someone else's needs. needs. Yeah,
1: Gotcha. So then wh- what's the purpose of the Enneagram? Why? How do we use it? What do we learn? What do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about others? Yeah. What do we do with all this information as we dive deeper into it over the next few episodes? <sighs>
0: Enneagram. I just love it so much. It's really changed my life. Um, and I, I kind of shared out of my own experience. Um, but the purpose of the Enneagram is to reveal and show that there are eight other ways, um, to see Mm. the world and you can, you can't change the way you see, like I'm wired the way I am wired. Um, but i can i can definitely move into intentional choices of what i do mm. with how i see and um the purpose of the enneagram i would hope is to create more compassion in the world more understanding for people who aren't like you
1: mm. are you sure because <laughs> i would love to use this to point out everyone else's flaws and to uh, undermine them and to assert myself in dominance over the world around me to protect and safeguard myself from all these other numbers that are clearly wrong. <laughs> so you're telling me uh, that the enneagram is not used to, to weaponize like we're not no. we're not supposed to weaponize this test.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what not to do. Thank you, Lucas. Because
1: oftentimes when I've been studying the enneagram, I'll be reading numbers. Yeah. And because it's focused so much on the uh, negative, if you will. It's focused so much on their, the vices of us as individuals, because that's the a lot of the motivating drivers and behaviors mm-hmm. are out of what's our deepest fear. Yeah. And from that, it's what's the the vice of choice, if you will. And so when I start reading stuff about the Enneagram, it's so fast. All the annoying behaviors of people in my life gets highlighted. And I'll be like, oh, that's why pers- that one person does that one thing that I don't like. And it can I can easily go to the place of not fully weaponizing it, but being like, oh, yeah, I knew that that person wasn't good. All right. Oh, yeah. That, that person definitely has that vice. And we can use it almost to to work against our relationship but that's not what it's for. No. And that will actually hurt us, right?
0: Yeah. And when when you start to dive deep into the Enneagram journey, you and you see, you start to read and understand and kind of engage with other other types that their motivations are coming from different fears and deeper places. And I would hope that that, at least what it's done for me is blown open the door to compassion. Mm. And and I think it helps when you just start with yourself. I think it's that's the important part of the Enneagram is you got to start with yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's going to help you have compassion for other people.
1: Well, it's like you said, w- when we're born that our Enneagram number is solidified around five, six years old, and it's from pains and wounds that have happened in our lives. And we've had to put on these masks. So yeah. when we look at a number or we look at a person and we're saying, oh, you're acting out of this fear mm-hmm. and you're asserting this behavior mm-hmm. to control the world around you um, for each number.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh we're recognizing what you're saying is that that is a mask that they have put on to defend and protect a wound that happened in their life. Mm. And they're actually, that's pain that has happened, brokenness that has happened. And so now a person who maybe is acting controlling or overtly angry Mm -hmm. or passive aggressive, or just ignoring their pain and indulging in, in, uh, you know, the stimulation of the mind, those things are happening because there's actually a wound within. And if we take another step past the negative behavior to the fact that, oh, these are broken people who are hurting, Mm -hmm. then it starts to stem compassion Mm -hmm. in us to have more understanding for people's behavior that legitimately might hurt us and affront mm-hmm. our number and our mode of operation, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And I think just to add to that, the longer we stay in the dark about those pains and those these root places um, that happen to us, mm. um, we we stay in the dark and we almost become imprisoned to a, a lack of ownership of your history, your story. Mm. And f- it's a small way of thinking to believe that what I do does only affects me. Mm. It actually affects other people around me and, and, and people are seeing differently. Mm. And So that would, I would just add
1: that. I, I really like that. Because what you're saying is the Enneagram, the purpose of it is used so that we can understand ourselves and understand the boxes and the pain and the darkness that we have within us so that we can transcend, if you will, into our God-given purpose and desire as humans. Mm -hmm. And one, one thing that is such a pet peeve for me is this saying that's prevalent in the world, which is mankind is basically good, or I'm a good person, we're all good people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you don't have to think about it for more than 2.59 seconds to realize that is a load of garbage, mm-hmm. that we are all broken people who are hurting, who hurt people. And we mm-hmm. all have fears and wounds in our lives that we are either trying to defend and through that defense, we're actually perpetuating that cycle and hurting others mm-hmm. And the I feel that the moment that we say, I'm a good person
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the moment that we stop growing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the moment that we're starting to give excuses and defenses. For painful and negative behavior that we think is not hurting other people, but it's actually affecting the entire world around us, mm. our immediate sphere of mm. influence. And if it's affecting our immediate sphere of influence, that means it's cascading mm. into generations. Mm. So being honest with ourselves and looking at the Enneagram and saying, actually, I am, I am a broken, hurting person. And I have darkness within me. I am capable of evil. I am capable of wounding. I am capable of hurting someone else. And other people Mm -hmm. are capable of hurting me.
2: Mm.
1: Once we recognize that in humanity's capability and propensity Mm -hmm. to perpetuate pain and hurt and evil in the world, that's the moment that we can stop that cycle we can recognize it. We can break it, and we can integrate into health and wholeness.
0: Right? Those those intentional choices um, of moving into healthy. Yeah, I would agree, and yeah, it's with the I call it journey rather than a personality test because I'm not really there's a there's a test that floats around, and I'm not the biggest fan of it, um, but. What once worked for us as mm. children um, to help us survive, to help us make our way in the world and figure out who we are, mm. and all of that and our place in the world, it, it once worked. And I think soon enough, um, if there's a willingness to live awake and aware, we intuitively start to move, long to move back mm-hmm. to our true self. Yeah. Before all of that, you know, and so before all of the the pain and the hurt. And, but if
1: we don't live awake and aware, yeah. we're going to just fall deeper into our the cycles cycle. of pain and hardship Habit, and life, darkness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I guess my hope would be in people deciding to start the journey with the Enneagram is to have a lot of compassion for yourself stuff, Mm. stuff happens and and that's, that's okay. And there's pain, there's grief in that. Um, but what are you going to do to get out? You know, how are you going to move into, um, just becoming aware of, I do this, Defend myself. Yeah. And it's this intentional choice of I can't do once I know what I know, I can't do it anymore. Mm. It does it, yeah, it, it can't be an excuse um or a weapon against another person if you so
1: Yeah. And for you is feeling like playing the victim.
0: Mm. Yeah. And
1: so once you realize, oh, I'm playing the victim, you can't do that anymore once you realize the pattern that you're stuck in. Yeah. Because then it's no longer an excuse. I mean, you'll probably do it. But then you're no longer able to just excuse your actions in a defensive manner, but you realize that's actually me not operating in who I'm I'm originally created to be, my original design.
0: Yeah, and I think then you can move into this really fun creative space of, okay, what can I implement in my life mm. that helps me move into health, that helps me move out of um, feeling stuck in introspection and in my emotions and feeling victim what what can I place in my life that helps me live aware awake and and move forward into health and and I think um, as people go on their enneagram journeys don't do it alone it, it's helpful like I mean you can only it's a self-discovery so you can only really type your number but um, it's helpful to even ask people, mm-hmm. what am what am I what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Yeah.
1: And and yeah. that
0: helps you along the journey as well, so.
1: So over the next 3 episodes, yeah. we will break down the triads and the numbers within. Talking about the stress and security, talking about a little bit about the wings. Um but what can they do between now and next week yeah. to discover who they are? <laughs> What's the one one step, one resource that they can read? Uh, there's a test, and you're saying don't take the test. I know I've took the test, and I did not test what I'm actually am. Yeah. Uh, so, what can, how can someone go about discovering their number over the next week?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I'll just say again, not a fan of the test. It's usually about sixty percent wrong, anyways. And because you can't, how can, how do you measure motivation? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you can do that, and you can mistype quite a bit. But um, I, in my journey, I've allowed a few voices of Enneagram masters and teachers who, who, for their job and purpose, they are teaching the Enneagram and um, in a very whole way, and they're very good at it. So my main plug, who I love to plug, her. Her name's Suzanne Stabile. Um, she has. Two books out. One called "The Road Back to You," and the another book called "The Path Between Us." And they give great foundation of just what is each type and each number. And I would say that that would to really understand the enneagram if you want to take the journey. Um, learn all the types first. Have a have a pretty basic understanding of well, their motivations, fears, and start to discover for yourself what resonates with you and test it out for a couple weeks. Um, try to pay attention to some of your habits. Is this what I do? And that's when that's when your journey begins.
1: It's amazing. So the information that April just said will be in the show notes with links to read through the nine different types for you to be able to start learning and discovering your type. And next week we will be back talking about The eight, nine, and one, the gut triad. And this will be great for you to learn more about yourself, understand who you are, hear more about yourself if you're one of those three numbers, or find some juicy information uh, hopefully to be used for good. Uh, for people around you in your life. But, you know, if I'm going to be honest, we all like a little bit of gossip and we all like to have a little bit of dirt on Mm, people around us. Not the nines,
0: except the nines. Except
1: the nines. (laughs) But uh, no, but really, uh, it is going to be eye-opening and you'll probably walk away from the episode being like, oh, I understand that person now. I thought they were just a pushover. I thought they were just you know a mean person i thought they were just you know a stickler that goes by the rules but you will be able to better understand the underlying drive and emotions of people around you and stay tuned so april thank you for being on the show today we'll see you next week on own the future remember if you own your story you will own the future Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Own the Future. I ask you to go and do one and one thing only. Find a friend to do the Enneagram with this week. Share this podcast with a friend. Convince your community that this is something that you all should do together. I'll see you next time on Own the Future.